0: I'm Rachel Grant, and I've been a sexual abuse recovery coach since 2007, and I'm the author of Beyond Surviving, the final stage of recovery from sexual abuse. You can learn more about me and the Beyond Surviving program at rachelgrantcoaching.com. Well, folks, I'm so glad to have here with me today my guests, Mudita Nisker and Dan Klerman, who are going to be sharing with us practical skills to help you communicate like a badass. Now, Mudita is a licensed marriage family therapist, coach, and trainer. She works with couples and individuals in her private practice in Oakland, California. She is a strong advocate of lifelong learning. She's led women's communication training groups for over 35 years, y'all. I mean, we have a pro in the house. Having experienced her in real time myself in workshop settings, Mudita brings a powerful, grounded, playful energy to exploring what's not working in your communication and relationships. Now, her partner in crime, Dan Klerman, is also a coach, trainer, and a professor, and over the past 30 years, he's provided communication training and coaching to individuals and organizations in the private, public, government, and nonprofit sectors. He has seen something, been some places. He is also on the faculty of the psychology department at the Golden Gate University in San Francisco, and it just happens that he was one of my professors and in fact I really attribute um, and credit him for helping me see coaching as a viable path for the work that I wanted to do. I was so glad to learn from him and Mudita and I am so stoked to have him here and her here with me today. Odita, Dan, thank you so much for being here. It's such a treat to have you with me today.
3: Nice to see you, Rachel. <laughs> thanks, for us, uh, minute, right? thanks for
0: having us. Thanks for having us here. Yes. Yeah, I think I was trying to think like what year I came over to Oakland and did. Gosh, but that must have been, I don't know, 2009, 2010, somewhere in that range, and um I had the joy of Um, you know, being there in your workshop. And of course, Dan, you're one of my mentors and teachers and educators. And uh, I really have been chomping at the bit to have you all here and come to speak. the Beyond Surviving community because I just know there's such a wealth of knowledge that you have about communication and relationships. So as we jump in today, I want to start with kind of a broad question, which is why do you think people think that they should just know how to communicate as opposed to it being something that we have to actually develop um, as a skill set? What's your take on that?
4: Maybe it's just similar to breathing. We don't think we have to know how to breathe. We just mm. breathe. And I think communication is the same way. Everybody's doing it all the time. You can't not communicate. Even when you're not communicating, you're communicating. So it's yeah. just so much a part of the fabric of life that it doesn't seem like something that should take special attention. It's just there. Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm, I love that, Mudita. Yeah. So then when we start to have challenges, like if we can't breathe, that all of a sudden we notice, ooh, like I might need to pay attention to this and get some help there. Same with communication. Most of the time, it's when people are really hitting a lot of challenges and having struggle in this area of their lives that they start to say, hey, maybe I need to take a look at this. I'm curious why communication was, became your favorite thing was, is there anything in particular that led you to, to focusing on this, why it's your passion?
4: Well, maybe I'll go first. Uh, I kind of, uh, locked my way into it. I would say, uh, when I was in college, I, I was studying, uh, counseling, psychology, marriage and family psychology itself. I was very interested in relationships, and eventually that led me to a place where I tuned in more to the communication aspect, since that's one of the core parts of relationships. So I kind of fell into it. I hadn't targeted communication as the thing I was going to do in my life, but it just evolved. I just kind of followed the stream of where my life seemed to be going. And I ended up sitting here with you, Rachel.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> right on. I can relate to that. How life just kind of takes you, and then all of a sudden,
4: bam! Here you are. This is That's what right. you're doing. That's right.
3: And I, I came, that. I came towards it more from anthropology. I initially had thought I was actually going to be an anthropologist, and um, was very interested in cross cultural communication and language in particular. Um, so. I was interested in that and then on a practical level uh, had opportunities to get involved with studying communication. And it also seemed to help a lot in terms of relationships where I didn't have such great conditioning around communication growing up. So it helped me to, to really see the benefits of communicating um, better with people. And that started to reinforce mm-hmm. more studying it more.
0: Oh, wow. I didn't know that about, yeah, kind of your origins there, Dan. That's really cool, or for for that matter, for you, Ndita. So you come into this world of saying, we're going to find out how to improve interpersonal and interpersonal communication. And I think there's, that's just right there, such a fascinating thought to me that we often think of as communication as just something that's always happening between ourselves and something external and someone else. But you all also teach about interpersonal communication, um, which we might also, I think, label as self-talk. Let's dig into that a little bit. When, do you think there's one before the other. Do we have to develop really strong intrapersonal skills and understand how we're speaking to ourselves and how we're communicating with the self as a foundation to interpersonal? Or can they happen side by side? Is is there any order of operations here?
4: Hmm.
3: I, I think that people, different people have different perspectives on it, for sure.
4: Okay. And
3: yeah. I guess part of my view, and I think maybe Murita's, is that We are swimming in a social world that teaches us a lot about how to use language and how to communicate with each other. That is, people are constantly modeling um, different ways to communicate. And that's where the cultural side comes in. In different cultures, there are very different ways to communicate. It's quite varied. So um, that reinforces the way in which we communicate with ourselves you know if you're communicating in a different language that's going to provide a whole different way of perceiving the world because there are certain words that are in other languages that aren't in our own mm-hmm.
2: yeah. so
3: i think it's really a, a a mutually reinforced situation the the society we live in shapes the way we talk to ourselves and the way we talk to ourselves shapes the way we will communicate with others and we just go back and forth it's sort of a one system really
0: it's gotcha. Like a chicken and the egg. Alpha Omega problem. <laughs> exactly. Where do we start on the circle? Yeah. Exactly. It's all connected. Exactly. Oh, wow. That makes me think an awful lot about how systems of communication and models of communication are so important. And I think what's really true for a lot of my community is that they've grown up in homes where communication skills were limited or not present at all um and or they might sit on the extremes of communication so you know a lot maybe a lot of silencing or minimizing kind of masking communication or explosive volatile communication and so when you think a little bit about that piece of the puzzle of like direct models yeah um What do you see as being some of the biggest influences when we grow up in households where, you know, communication is stifled or limited um, or abusive?
4: Right. I'm just going to back up and just just to respond to the idea of like so many people growing up in households that didn't really model the kind of skillful communication that people would like to have more of. Yeah. And that the good news is that communication is a learned skill after all and having the belief that you're either born a good communicator or not is a very limiting belief so once people can acknowledge that it's something they can learn and that it would in fact really be useful to learn some skills in that domain of communication that is a life changer if you don't know that you don't know Mm -hmm. yeah you can't learn other options so in terms of people who May have grown up in abusive or you know really unskillful uh homes communication wise seeing that there is a way to learn skills can be very liberating just mm-hmm. to even start yeah. with that
3: mm-hmm.
4: and then the mo- the that. idea of yeah.
3: models of communication um you know, in in our map, there are some basic principles about communication, which I think you're familiar with. For example, just the idea of of, um, people going on and on and talking a lot, for example, and not, for the other person, not having a chance to come in and participate in the conversation. You know, we call that flooding rather than chunking Mm -hmm.
4: messages. Too much talking, not enough listening.
3: So in situations where (laughs) somebody doesn't isn't able to develop their own sense of a voice in a way with, um, you know, their primary uh, people in their life, their parents or in the family. Uh, That's a skill that needs to be learned, how to create more of a dynamic balance in conversation so that Mm -hmm. this is reciprocity in the conversation.
0: Wow, I love that. So I want to lean into that a little bit because flooding is such a a fascinating um, concept and something that was really helpful for me. And I find in my own internal system, I have this place of like, I need to get it all said, like I have it all mapped out in my head, how this part connects to this part connects to this part. Now finish, you know, essay done. (laughs) As I'm going through those stages of communication, when a partner interjects at a moment, it can really derail me. And I, I and it's almost like, no, 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 you have to wait until I get all the way to the finish here, and then we can have this dialogue. And I still fall into that pattern, even though I know about the, the flooding, you know, system and how un, unhelpful that can be. Can you talk with us a little bit about when we're in? I think I'll add another layer to that, which is I think a lot of times survivors of trauma have gone through a lot of silencing and a lot of space in which their voice wasn't allowed. Mm -hmm. Uh, And when they finally start to get um, some confidence or start to get into a space where I'm going to speak my truth, I'm going to tell you what I need. There's almost this place of, yeah, it's like overextension. Like I have to say it all, all the time, every last bit of it. Uh, And then any interruption is almost interpreted as like a a stifling or a silencing. Mm -hmm. So what are some ways that even if we have like our 15 bullet points, (laughs) Uh (laughs) try to get through with a partner, how do we create more of that mutuality as you're talking about the ebb and flow without losing the thread or feeling that sense of shutting down being silenced? Mm -hmm. What do you think about that?
4: Well, it's, I'll take a little bit of it. Then I want Dan to respond. Okay. Um, being able to say what you just said, and notice that you have a tendency at times to flood to say more than the other person can take in. You begin to see how even though you can't stop it every time, you can start to make a little more room for the other person and how you're thinking about a conversation, it's not a monologue, it's a conversation. If it's a monologue, it's totally appropriate. Just take it and flood as much as you want because you've got, you know, you, you're in the spotlight. But if it's a conversation, the spotlight goes back and forth between you. So learning not to take it personally when the other person wants to participate. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: But to see that it's actually a good thing, this person wants to participate with you. To reframe it and think about it differently can be very helpful because it is, it is frustrating sometimes when you feel like you're not going to get to say what you need to say. Uh, recognizing that you don't have to say it all at one time
0: is mm-hmm. really, helpful. really helpful. Thank you, Medita.
3: Hmm. I would um, exactly so, and I would say you know I I kind of grew up and 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 a lot of flooding communication was my model, so I picked up on that and did that myself. I think the, one of the important elements to pick up on what is saying is that if going on longer, it's harder for the other person to actually stay involved in the conversation. So if your intention is to be understood and to influence, it's going to be really important to see how you're affecting the other person Throughout the what you're saying, and and if you just keep going on, you might miss vital responses that the other person has that will shape where you're going to go next. And wow. the improvisational dance of the conversation is so rich when you have that back and forth quality, much more than just a monologue, as Murita was mm-hmm. saying.
4: Like right, mm-hmm. now, like right now, we're the speakers, and you're the interviewer, right? But you're, as Dan was talking, you were signaling that you were interested, you were listening, you were nodding right. your head, you were making little sounds to, of acknowledgement. You, you were letting him know that you were participating with him. If you're talking to someone and they're not making any of those signals, and in fact they're starting to snore, <laughs> oh, wow. you know you're speaking
0: longer You've than on you can. too you long. Too yeah I just had I just had a really strong image of my partner. Like that's what he's doing when he's like not even looking at me. I'm oh like, what's happening? He checked out. He has checked out what a what a really um it's important point there that if we're wanting to connect and we're wanting to influence, do you think that that those are the primary functions of communication, connection influence? Are there others? The, the why we communicate, what we're in for, what mm. our intentions are, can there be more than just connection and influence?
4: Uh, well, there's giving information. Mm. I guess you could say that's influence. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh,
4: I think those are two of the- Biggies. Biggies.
3: There's yeah, also, I, I, would, I would add the other aspect is to um, inspire, to discover that a yeah. conversation when it's really, uh, rich, not every conversation needs to be rich. Some are much more instrumental just about getting yeah. things done. But certain conversations can be so evocative, and inspire uh, both people to see life in a new way or to have a just an insight that wasn't there before the conversation. Uh, so in a way, you know, there's a lot of metaphors you can apply. But in a way, a conversations like a journey or an adventure too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And we, when we can take things in those smaller bite size, rather than like, I could say the whole monologue, but my partner might only get like 10% of it. Whereas if I take it a little more slowly, maybe that's a little bit of it too, like that pacing thing and that Mm -hmm. patience thing. Right then like we've got that piece, great. Okay, and now we can add in this piece, great. And we end up with a much more um, comprehensive understanding uh, when we take that approach of being in this dance. I love that, the exchange. What do we do when somebody is flooding at us? <laughs> Are there tactics? Are there strategies? Are there things that we do or say that can can interrupt that without shutting them down? Or what do you think about that? What's a good interrupter in those kinds of moments?
4: We do have a little piece in our book where we give different things people can say. Like, uh, let me come in here for a minute and see if I'm understanding what you're saying. Or, oh, I think... Uh, uh. I think Mary Ann over there wants to say something right now and then mm-hmm. move shift your gaze to the other person you want to hear from or yeah or
3: or um before you go on I just want to uh say something about the first thing you said
4: okay or All let right. me I'm make right. sure let me make Writing sure yeah <laughs> let me make sure I'm understanding what you're what you're saying yeah and then yeah
3: you can go either way, you could use a re- what we call reflective listening to check that you actually are understanding or you can actually get your comment in. And even though, you know, as a former flutter somewhat, <laughs> I would say that I might it might seem a little jarring. Initially, it did sometimes when people would want to respond or get into the conversation. Um, after a while, I realize it's it's sort of like a, a necessity to make sure we're we're traveling together. you know if it is a journey, I want to make mm-hmm. sure that the other person is is part of the journey on the same path with me, and yeah. so we're you know really adjusting to each other so it's actually mm-hmm. helpful when you interrupt someone to respond so that they have a sense of how they're they are affecting you
0: yeah, yeah. I think what I noticed with Um, A lot of times for those of us who have experienced sexual trauma, that there's a lot that's happening in communication that of course is under the surface. Yeah, we're not saying exactly what we're saying or our meaning is there are these shades in which maybe we're trying to use our communication, uh, maybe passive aggressively to try to get some kind of reassurance, uh, to try to get some kind of acknowledgement of like our worth, or our value, and, and kind of trying to draw something out of the other person. When you think about you know working uh, with people around communication, how do you deal with subtext or even trying to understand what the subtext might be of what somebody else is saying or what you're communicating? How do you get at that?
3: Mm -hmm. I'll take it. You want to take it? Uh, Go ahead. Okay. Well, one way is to notice that when people are, are saying something to you, there are other things that go along with it that aren't necessarily said. You know, it's like mm-hmm. I'm, I, it, it's like if I start describing a situation that is really challenging and I'm, I'm just describing it in, a, in, in terms of what happened, there is probably feelings that are connected with that, that you could guess that are going on from the description that I have. So we call that, you know, that there are things that people say explicitly And there are things that are unstated that are implicit that go with what's stated explicitly. So as a as a good listener, as a skillful listener, um, you can infer, you can guess what's not being stated sometimes, but in a tentative or provisional way, because you might not get it right. So when you are stating it back to the person, if you're using reflective listening or if you're responding, you can leave room for them to correct as well.
4: Yeah. Like for example, right now, as we're talking with each other, we all have our implicit messages that we're not saying, but we are kind of saying. Like maybe one of your implicit messages right now is something like you'd like to uh, learn as much as you can from this interview and have it be right. as, as lively and helpful to other people as possible. That could be your implicit positive intention. You're not saying it, but
0: you are saying it. My mm, the things I that.
3: that you're saying,
0: by <laughs> <laughs> the other things I'm saying, yes, I get that. Yeah. What do you do when, I I think that uh, misinterpretation and meaning making is a big part and that for for survivors of abuse and that very much is born out of their own internal dialogues and our own internal messaging that we're holding of like, I'm not worthy, I'm not valuable, I'm unlovable and, and I can't trust anyone and people are always gonna leave me and this person's out to get me and everyone has an agenda. There can be a whole big old soup of things you know, kind of running in there. And so when you're in dialogue And somebody says um, explicitly something very maybe basic or simple, there is this potential to kind of jump on that and create a lot of meaning around it. You don't love me, you know, kind of that sort of a thing. And I know you teach in the world of, right, moving out of the, the you and like speaking into the I and like when you say that, I think this or I feel this what can people do particularly who have a lot of that negative messaging um to start to slow down that process and be able to de- delineate between the what is being expressed to them and what the meaning is that they're they're adding to what's being said that might be amiss yeah what do you think about that well i think um the
4: more you can examine the assumptions that you're making that aren't working for you, of course, the better you're gonna feel about things. In our book, we talk about the idea that we can't stop making assumptions. It's what we do as human beings. Some people think making assumptions is bad or wrong. We say, no, you know, we are gonna make assumptions if we can see what our assumptions are or get in touch with them. or or understand that they're going on then with some practice we can evaluate them we can use perhaps even critical thinking skills to evaluate the accuracy of our assumptions Mm -hmm. and so Mm -hmm. then we don't assume just because we think something it must be true that's a really can be a debilitating assumption
0: yeah I think that what a lot of my clients bring to the table in this arena are those arguments or those conversations that go something like, um, you know, you said this and that means that you don't love me. And the other person started, no, that's not what I mean. That's not. Yes, it is. You said that. That's what it is. And you just get very locked in to this. Like, and now we're going to find all the reasons why I'm right. And I'm going to find all the reasons why I'm right. Or, right. You're, you know, you're wrong. I'm right. When you start to get into that kind of, um, it's almost like a roadblock to communication, right? Or like that kind of shutdown, or maybe it's a power dynamic. Yeah, I don't know what what would you call that, and and what do you do? How do you help yourself and a partner, you know, get out of that kind of moment of who's right, who's wrong?
3: So yeah, so one way to do that initially, and and this is uh, just a small change, and I think it's one that's significant, is just to insert in there that it's an assumption I'm making. If you start to say when you said this, I assumed you were Mm. and just put the I assumed um, or I believed or just to show it's not a fact. It's an opinion you're having. And one of the ways people drive each other crazy is they (laughs) treat they make statements of um, that are actually opinions as if they were a fact. Yeah. And then they get yeah. into arguing about the the quote facts that aren't even the facts, they're actually opinions that are in the language of facts. And that's yes. very you know, that's as you can see socially that's one of the things we're all, we're struggling with as a society is is treating opinions as if they're facts.
0: Right, right. Oh so, what, my
4: gosh. What do you think about the person who's listening to the, the person who's making Those opinions sound like facts. The person who's trying to say no, that's not what I meant, and the other person. Well, then that
3: when someone is saying that's not what I meant, then it's important to shift over and find out. Well, what is it that they did mean? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Rather than assuming that you know what they meant a hundred percent, that your uh, interpretation, your assumption about it is is completely accurate. Create a little space in there to find out. Okay, then what is it you did mean? You know, my assumption is. That's what you meant.
2: Yeah, but that could be
3: yeah.
0: inaccurate. Right. Woo, passing this along to a couple of people I know. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think it's such a tough one because that, that invitation to reframe, I think, is hard for people. Like, once they've decided, um, you know, I heard you say this, and that's what that meant, then to hold, be able to hold space and almost like give someone a redo, right? That's not quite what I meant. Here's what I'm trying to say um in my experience sometimes it gets so locked down but but you said this these yeah. are the words you said and trying to create room for you know a rewrite or redo a let, let's see if you can here's what I, my meaning really is and do you find that that's a a defense mechanism in communication when somebody gets really locked in is that a particular type of communication what do you think well, about i that? think the
4: desire to be right is so powerful and we all feel it i mean i know that it rarely leads to satisfaction and yet i i feel the desire to be right i'd Mm. much rather be right than wrong Uh, (laughs) so i think it in a way that seems like part of the core of that is the desire to be right and i think that has something to do with how we think about or what we think about mistakes that we make that when we think that we're wrong, when we make a mistake and the other person is right, then we're going to have more trouble accepting the fact that maybe what we're saying or thinking is not accurate. If mm-hmm. we can see that if we if we're now waking up to what is accurate and we can learn from that, well, that's going to go a lot further in terms of our, our own happiness and development than yeah. in trying to figure out how we can be right and the other person wrong.
2: Mm -hmm.
4: But it's inevitable, it's inevitable. We all struggle with that or drop
0: into that pattern, but drop into
4: that. And so I think self compassion goes a long way also.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. I know that in your book, you share um, lots of different perspectives and strategies and skills for communication. Um, and I wonder if we could lean into maybe some of your, what I would say is like the, the no matter what skills, like if you don't have any communication skills at all, but what you absolutely must have would be, like what would, where would you go with that?
3: Okay, well, there's, there's several key, key skills a really basic one, which is often overlooked, and it's fine to overlook it in conversations where there's not a lot at stake and you're just having fun, but where there's, there's more of a consequent, consequential quality or a significance to the conversation, like some of the ones we've been talking about. Mm. It's important to decide whether you're going to talk or you're going to listen. <laughs> That's a really, that, really yeah. basic thing that we take for granted. Because they do different things in a conversation. Talking puts in more information is trying to influence. Um, Listening is eliciting information from the other person um, trying to understand.
4: Maybe add something. One of the reasons we really like to focus on talking or listening, which are you going to do or which are you doing, is that it doesn't take anything fancy you don't have to learn new language you don't even have to go be very nuanced in how you're tracking what's going on if you're new to it it's just do you want to talk or do you want to listen what's, what's your goal which is
3: going to be more useful at this particular moment in our conversation
4: so people right. li- listening to us right now can just you know leave this interview and go out into their lives and maybe ask themselves a few times today Well, do I want to listen or do I want to talk right now? What's my purpose? And this is, like Dan said, for important conversations, really important. If if you're just shooting the breeze, nothing special, talking about things that aren't important, you don't have to pay attention. You don't have to be conscious, so to speak. Right.
0: Yeah, as attuned or leaned in in those moments. Beautiful. So talking and listening, or maybe noticing if things are going sideways when you're talking, maybe <laughs> yeah, That comes to mind <laughs> to me. Like maybe I'm doing too much of the talking in this moment. Yeah, I'm listening and see how that goes for me here. Well, that's the second right.
3: principle: is is creating some sort of balance. You know, some sort of dynamic, uh, sense, of uh, kind of reciprocity of going back and forth. I mean, yeah. sometimes one person does have a lot more to say, and the other person is going to listen more. Generally, though. You know, just asking yourself, how's the balance in the conversation Mm. between talking and listening?
0: Yeah, love that.
3: And then the other one we covered already is pretty key is flooding versus chunking. You know, flooding is talking in pages uninterruptedly and chunking is throwing in a pause and noticing how what you've said is affecting the other person.
2: Mm. Both Mm. verbally
3: and they're signaling you either verbally or and or non-verbally.
0: Great. It seems so obvious when I hear you say it, Dan, but notice how what you've said is impacting the other person. I think what I notice sometimes in my own communication and when I'm working with clients around communication is that they're not looking for impact. They're looking for agreement.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah. what's the difference what What?
3: they're they're looking for agreement not 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 the impact how they're affecting someone Uh yeah well that that is Mm -hmm. um that could be part of one's intention is you know to to see if the other person will agree with what you're saying and there might be something really important about that however if the other person is having a, a a difficulty accepting what you're saying it's going to be so even this is the case in in any conflict or negotiation it's really important to find out what's the obstacle.
2: Mm-hmm. Because I mm-hmm. won't be able
3: to get agreement all that easily if I don't understand what's getting in the, in the way for the other person to accept what I'm saying.
2: Right.
4: And that's going
3: to wow. require listening, not more sending, not more talking.
4: Yeah. And listening, yeah. the way we present listening, if you agree, if the other person agrees or disagrees with you, uh it doesn't no if you excuse me if you agree or disagree with the other person it doesn't really matter when you're listening because when you're listening you just want to understand what the person is saying what you Mm. think in the moment when you're listening your own opinions whether you agree or disagree it doesn't matter it does it does matter yes yes it does matter when you're done listening now it's your turn to talk about what's true for you then you are agreeing disagreeing whatever's coming up for you but right you're listening no you don't need agreement or disagreement you're just
3: trying to understand at that moment just that understanding focus is just understanding. and
0: that's pretty radical uh, yes. Uh, yeah, that is very radical. That's why I yeah. said Jedi level, because to be able to sit, there's a certain level of detachment in that moment of saying, I'm just here to hold space and to understand and to receive what you're sending, what you're communicating. I can filter it through my agree, disagree later, but my first my first level of listening is just understand, do I get what you're trying to to say here? Do I have that? And, you know, would you agree that a lot of miscommunication and a lot of arguments start um, from the place of jumping so very quickly to the, I know what you're saying, and now let me refute it before you really do And then now we're in the argument of like, yeah. yeah." You know,
3: there's a, I don't know who said it, uh, but there's a saying that one of the biggest assumptions about communication is that it's occurred, (laughs) you know, it's taken place. (laughs) Because... That is such a it's it's just such a big assumption that I understand you in the way you would like to be understood. I mean, I can understand you in the way that I think you should be understood, but that's my own type of understanding, which really might not be what you're trying to say.
0: Yeah, when so that's where that reflective listening piece comes in. And when, something I know that I've run into with partners in my life, um, I will gender this a little bit. It's been the male partners in my life. When I start to try to con- even convey this idea of like, could you say back to me in your own words, like what you just heard? Oh, Nelly, maybe I'm not prompting them correctly, but I get so much. I don't need to do that. I understand what you're saying. there's like a resistance piece. And so mm-hmm. it may just be guys, how do, when people have a lot of like, yeah, attitude, resistance, don't see the benefit in it, how do we navigate that?
4: So when you ask somebody, I've tried it myself in, in days gone by, of asking mm-hmm. somebody to, you know, tell me what you heard kind of thing. Often, people yeah. feel put on the spot. Okay, it's not, an, it's not a, it can be an unsuccessful invitation. Mm-hmm. yes what you want so re- instead mm-hmm. I think it works much better to say what you're looking for for example I'm not sure if I was clear if I really could got that point across to you and mm-hmm. it would help me it would help me if I could hear how I came across mm-hmm. Now it's more you're on the spot the other person yeah. doesn't feel as on the spot and more yeah. willing to give it a try
3: in other words, telling them what your intention is, what you know, what you'd like.
4: Yeah. I'd like to know that I
0: was clear. I'm clear. Right. Man, and, it's that old UI language thing again, isn't, isn't it? it? Exactly. Oh. Yeah. Go ahead, Dan. Yeah,
3: well, it's it's just um, the desire to be understood. You know, it's coming up. Yeah. And that's what you so want to impressive. find out.
0: Yeah. 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 So you language that through the place of I. Yeah.
4: yeah you don't want to put it out like it's a test like you're testing the other person were you listening? <laughs> <laughs> no,
0: that
4: you're
0: right i think it's absolutely right and if i'm honest with myself i think in those moments i am doing a little bit of like almost like gotcha you know and so yeah. i can be real about that say oh yeah that's where that can be a little bit of the heart of that kind of languaging it's a little disingenuous and so to instead put it on me of I want to make sure I'm clear and how I've come across. That's amazing. And you're
4: doing that not because that's the right thing to do or you're a Mm. better person if you do it, you're doing it because you want something from the other person, you want to influence that person in a certain way to hear you in a certain way. And if you want to influence the other person, then don't put them on trial. Don't make Mm -hmm. them
0: wrong. Sounds right. Yeah, that sounds right.
3: (laughs) You want to have a kind of invitation
4: for them.
0: Yeah, that's a serious roadblock to communication. Yeah, for
4: sure. So you're more likely to get what you want if you if you do talk about what it is you do want.
0: Yeah, thank you. So a lot that goes on for people who have experienced sexual abuse is, um, you know, they've obviously uh, been traumatized. They've been in with people and in environments that weren't safe. Their nervous system has been taught a whole lot of information about not safe. And there's this place in which, um, you know, you talk about how communication skills play a part in a sense of safe. Could you f- flesh that out a little bit for us? What does that mean? How does that actually um How do those two things connect safety and communication? Mm
3: -hmm. Well, one thing is related to what we just talked about, which is, as you focus on your communication, and you start to notice what's going on in your communication with other people, one element you can focus on is what we call the positive intention, what it is you would like. And Mm -hmm. people often state that in the negative, they talk about what they don't want. But that does not move things ahead. What what tends to move things ahead is knowing and stating what you would like in an invitational way, if possible. Mm -hmm. So having clarity about that, I think, helps people discover, first of all, you know, what would be helpful for them in the moment, but also helps them locate uh, what their priorities are. You know, what it is that they're trying to create with another person, an environment of some sort, a sense of safety, a sense of trust that starts to be revealed as you become sensitive to your positive intentions.
0: Mm, see. Love that. Beautiful. So... I know one of my favorite things about the both of you is that you work on a lot of levels of understanding and knowledge, and you really speak about spirituality in the lens of communication and, you know, that aspect of it. How is communication spiritual?
4: You should take that. Okay. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll take one well, those say a tiny little bit okay again, and then you take the rest. go ahead I'll just throw in I think for me <laughs> uh, the communication is spiritual in the sense that it fosters compassion mm. and compassion is part of compassion is recognizing that we're all suffering on some level and to open our hearts to that with kindness to ourselves and others uh, and so talking and listening and using these skills when you when you do use them i think it can really open the show the way towards more compassion mm-hmm. so that's my answer i don't know what dan's answer is going
3: to
2: be. <laughs> okay that's pretty good, that's pretty good. <laughs> i'd
3: go with that uh, i mean one of the ways to for me that the compassion element becomes Uh, more available is that in communication, there's so much much emphasis you could have on just understanding, mutual understanding. And that's kind of a a beginning element is that the more I understand myself and someone else in conversations, uh, the more I'm touched by the other person's experiences. You know, the more I'm affected, the more I have some sense of empathy and. That's um, that's a strong element of communication, because it's not only the sense of yeah. being touched by their experience, it's the sense of, of recognizing how interdependent we all are with each other. You know, we're mutually affecting each other in so many ways, constantly throughout the day. And I think communication is sort of like the ocean in which we swim that is conveying mm-hmm. that so. so um, To focus on communication often um, heightens that sense of, of noticing the interdependence.
0: I love that so much. I'm really inspired by that. I think it's such a beautiful way in which to even think about a first intention of understanding and empathy, and maybe all the other stuff follows on from that influence mm-hmm. and figuring things out and, you know, all those pieces. But if we can start from the place of, let me just understand you and your your experience in this moment um, without it going and filtering through the lens of my ego and what that means about me and blah, 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 like all that stuff, I can just, we'll be able to see each other more clearly. I have one more question for you all before we start to wrap up. So you've just had a shitty, 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 shitty communication <sighs> moment. Everything you're meant to do and that you know will be helpful. Nope, didn't didn't follow any of the rules. Didn't use any of the vi- advice. You've There's been a rupture in the relationship. There's been hurtful words. There's a breakdown in communication. What's your favorite way for couples to come back, or people who are in partnership or friendships, whatever the context, for people to come back and repair?
4: I would say it starts with take a moment and breathe. I think just taking a moment and breathing. Yeah. And being able to look at where you, where you, where you are in that moment. Mm-hmm. What your positive intention is for the moment. Mm-hmm. And start finding your way back as you center yourself. Mm-hmm. If you can't regu- regulate your emotions, it, you probably have to wait a little while, right? Right. Yeah.
3: I would. So I would encourage look- that. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Okay.
0: Richard. Well, I just wanted to reflect that what I heard in that, Mundita, was that 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 breakdowns in communication are often tied to a moment of dysregulation to a moment of activation and so you've stopped listening you're not grounded you're not present and in order to be able to come back into a repair conversation you're going to have to do a bit of that kind of get some perspective get yourself kind of grounded and notice where the activation was did i I hear that right yeah excellent
3: Mm -hmm. and and to recognize i think just part of that is to recognize um if you're Pretty dysregulated. That this isn't going to be all that productive. Uh, time to keep talking, and
2: mm-hmm. you, know, you might mm-hmm. just,
3: you might just compound things by saying a lot of things that you'll later have to clean up because yeah. you're taking them from a place of being pretty off balance.
4: So taking yeah. a break,
2: taking yeah,
4: a break and saying what when you'd like to come back and finish. Yes. Not just, I can't talk to you. I can't talk right now and slam the door. I think I can get myself together in about two hours or, or mm-hmm. two minutes or whatever you need.
0: Yeah. I have to use that one a lot. <laughs> Taking pauses for me is very important. Taking pauses and really helping my partners to understand like, this is not an, I, I don't love you moment. It's an, I just need to take a space yeah. to get yeah. myself it on straight before I can come back. I I lied. I have one other question. (laughs) So so when, what I have found in in my experience uh, and that I hear a lot of my clients struggle with is when there's been an argument that when we come back together. It's almost like this rehashing of the argument. Well, you said this, and then I said this. No, I didn't say that. I said this, or I meant that it's like a, it's like a a replay. Yeah. And I would love your perspective about how beneficial that is. Is it helpful to try to do a blow by blow of like, this was said, then this was said, I was responding to that. Or is there a way to like wash the slate clean and we just try to begin again? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm so curious about your perspective about the benefit of that or if there isn't any benefit.
3: Well, I mean, if you if you are repeating the same thing you just did, that could be, you know, the same thing. Yeah. I think it. I think it's really helpful to get a sense. We keep coming back to this in this conversation of what your positive intention is. What is it you'd like to to understand or what is it you'd like to have understood and what is it you'd like to accomplish in the conversation and to have clarity about that coming into the conversation and even to state it initially so that you can use it as a a pole star to give you guidance throughout the conversation. Well, is, is the direction we're going now related to this positive intention I had in the beginning? No, not really. This is going in a different direction. Okay, then how do I get back towards what I wanted to to accomplish in this conversation? Having clarity about that, I think is so key for both people.
0: Yeah, that's so a north star. I love that.
3: And, and also the other thing is to be particularly mindful about talking and listening and you know, when to talk and when to listen because if sure. nobody is actually listening in the conversation then it's hard to have a conversation.
0: <laughs> hard indeed, Dan. Mm-hmm. Well, I have extremely enjoyed talking and listening with you all today. I adore you both so very much. I hold you in very high esteem. Um, everyone listening, uh, please be sure to um, pop over to uh, letstalkmethod.com. You can also find them on Instagram and Facebook um, with the same handle, Let's Talk Method. I will put the link in the show notes so that everyone can pop over and and learn from you. If you're in the Bay Area, are you all still doing um, in-person workshops these days?
3: We're going to be moving to Zoom. We moved to Zoom during the pandemic and and partly because of the way Zoom seems to connect without uh, geographical limitations, I think we're mm-hmm. going to keep doing trainings on Zoom.
0: Okay, Worldwide Beyond Survivors, you all can hook up with Dana Mudita from wherever you are, your own living room. So um, get on their mailing list, follow them. And um, any just final words that you'd like to to send out to our listeners today?
3: Well, um, thanks for having this conversation and opening up um, these possibilities, I think, for people to to bring into their lives. I I think, you know, for me, the the benefit of of talking about communication and, and exploring together is we hopefully will understand each other better, and that starts the ball rolling for so many other things developing that sense of mutual understanding. So I appreciate just being able to do this with you and, and uh to explore together this way.
0: Awesome. Me too. Dan thanks for changing my life. Mudita, thanks for changing my life. Oh go ahead Mudita. Give no me your no advice. that's good. I'm I'm happy to sit here You're with happy you. <laughs> <laughs> well truly uh you know I really I just want to reiterate Dan being in those courses with you and sitting in conversation about coaching as an approach like I really um have you to credit for me being able to work in the capacity that i work with you know people who've experienced sexual abuse thank you for your mentorship and your guidance Mudita. detail your spunkiness your playfulness your joy is infectious i'm always um just inspired by what you have to share and how you show up in the world and i look forward to staying in touch and reading your book more fully and uh <laughs> And I hope you all have just the rest of your day, blessed day. And thank you again. Much love to you both. Thank you.
3: Thanks, Rachel. Thank you.
0: And thank you everybody for tuning in and joining us today. Um, As always, you can pop over to rachelgrantcoaching.com to learn more about sexual abuse recovery coaching and explore the resources on the site. Be sure to subscribe the podcast and then come back next time because we have so much more to share. And until then, take good care of you.